Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. Six or seven, I was sitting in the back of a car, and I did not know the D word was a curse word or anything like that, and so the country song came on, and I'm just singing along, every single song, and uh, here, here it comes, and then I'm singing, I'm singing, I'm singing, it gets to that word, and I say it, and mama reaches back in the, in the car and just, wow, like slaps me right across the face, don't ever say that, I was like, what did I say, I didn't know, what, what's going on, she's like, that's a bad word, you're not supposed to say that, I was like, okay, okay, so uh, in, in that sense, <laughs> the first time I ever cussed, but no, just thinking about it. Anyways, the point of the, that is saying, like, hey, if you don't know, um, you're going to be punished like lighter than, than if you knew and knowingly doing wrong. But it's not uh, willingful ignorance. Like, I, I, I just didn't want to read the Bible, so I didn't really care enough to read. It's saying, hey, look, there's no way that you could know. So let's go on and go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, if you want to write this one down. It's what this scripture teaches is basically it's about Satan and it's about a, a parable that Jesus tells and in the parable that Jesus tells Satan kind of comes and he snatches away the understanding of the kingdom of God and once again this is just like a little intro just trying to give you some background um, in Matthew 19 chapter uh, chapter 19 verse 14 he says this the kingdom of God belongs to the the children he says, unless you accept the kingdom of God like children, you actually will not enter into the, the kingdom of God. I love it in the Beatitudes. He says, um, blessed are the pure in heart, for theirs are the kingdom of God. And once again, that's in Mark chapter 5, uh, Matthew chapter 5. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says this. He says, the kingdom of God, Jesus does, is at hand. Therefore, repent and believe in me. Matthew chapter 5, 19, he says that great, you will be great in the kingdom of God if you obey the lightest or the smallest of the teachings. And, you know, you kind of think like, what? You will be great in the kingdom of God. He says this, if you uh, uh, listen to the lightest or the slightest or the smallest of the commandments and you don't obey them, you will be called least in the kingdom of God. But if you listen to the least of the commandments and you obey them, then you will be called great in the kingdom of God. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this. He says, Our Father, for thine is the kingdom the glory and the power forever. Amen. He says, what does he say? He says, your what come? Your kingdom come. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 14, he begins to talk about wars and the rumors of wars. And he says, when you hear about the end times prophecy and wars and rumors of wars, what does he say? He says, do not panic. He says, don't, don't, don't freak out when all that kind of stuff happens. Hear this. You will be persecuted, hated, mocked, ridiculed. You'll be thrown into jail, even killed in the end times. Not only in Afghanistan, not only in Israel or a Muslim nation, but all over the world, including in America, all over the world, you will be hated. Why? Because you are my followers. And he finishes by saying this, and the one who endures through the end. So not, not the person who begins, but to the one who endures through the end, who finishes well, 
I will give the kingdom of God. For, he says, the kingdom will be preached to every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. So what, is, or what are we trying to talk about? We're trying to learn a little bit today about the kingdom of God. I think sometimes we may have not known a lot about the kingdom of God. Sometimes it may, we have been uh, ignorant when it comes to the kingdom of God. Maybe we've been dumb when it comes to the kingdom. In Luke chapter 13, he even tells a story of a person who is trying to find this precious pearl. And he says, to the person who found the precious pearl, he sold everything he had. Why? To buy this expensive pearl. He says, that's what someone's life is like when they find the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 8, he says, the kingdom of God is near. It is at hand. And once again, this is Jesus just speaking in front of an entire crowd saying, hey, look, maybe it's me who is the kingdom. He kind of goes on to say the very same thing in Luke chapter 10, verses 9. He says, Jesus is among the kingdom of God. He also says that in Luke chapter 11, verse 20, if you're looking. Um, why do I say all this? I say all this to say, I think sometimes, maybe in our lives, we learn a lot about the kingdom of God, or maybe uh, have heard stuff talked about the kingdom of God, but we never have really understood it. In fact, this is the biggest message that Jesus ever talked about. He uses the word kingdom of God 162 times in the Gospels in his ministry. In fact, the only other subject Jesus talked about anywhere equivalent to the kingdom of God is a place called Gehenna, which means just hell. So when Jesus was speaking, he talked about the kingdom of God and he talked about hell more than any other subject that he would ever speak on. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, it says this, My people perish, or they will be destroyed, another translation says, because of a lack of knowledge. Because of their ignorance, they will be destroyed. And I think in our own lives, it can be that we are ignorant about the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question. If somebody was to come up and ask you, Tell me about the kingdom of God. What would you say? Oh, the kingdom of God. What is, uh, is kingdom, dominion, and there's a king, so it's like thy king, dominion, and it's God. So, yeah, does that make sense? And they're like, mm. no. And it's even when you read it in the scriptures, we've seen all these verses that I've been talking about for the last couple of minutes in our scriptures, and when we, kinda, we can kind of like jumble and get those a little bit confused, it's, it's, it's in essence, it's kind of like Jesus is talking about a future reality of the kingdom of God. For example, he says, hey, I will go and prepare a place for you in the kingdom of God. If it were not so, I would tell you. So it's almost like a future reality. The kingdom of God will come. In the same sense, Jesus, like I said in Luke chapter 10 verse 9 or Luke 11 verse 20 or Matthew chapter 13, it almost has the idea that like, Jesus is talking and he says, look, the kingdom of God, it's at hand. So repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So which one is it? Is it a present reality or is it a future reality? And the only way I believe to understand that 
in, in its context is to know that Jesus himself is the kingdom of God. When Jesus was talking about the future or in the present, it all revolved him. That's in essence to say this, is that heaven is wherever Jesus is. Wherever Jesus is not, not heaven, not the kingdom of God, but wherever Jesus is in your life and my life, and right now sitting at the right hand of God, that's going to be heaven. So why don't we understand the kingdom? And I think that we don't understand the kingdom a lot of times because we live in a democracy. But in a kingdom, you don't get a vote. You don't get an opinion. And I think a lot of times our culture, they like to pick and choose which verses of the Bible we agree with or disagree with, which verses of the Bible we obey, which verses of the Bible that we shun and disobey. But that's, that's a, that's a dem- democratic, uh, democracy mentality. Our mentality that Jesus talks about is the kingdom. Either you agree with this book or you don't, and it leaves you. But you don't get a vote what we see in a kingdom. Our greatest enemy, our greatest challenge, your greatest adversary, my greatest adversary is not, I don't think, the enemy. I don't think it's the enemy. I think your and my greatest challenge when it comes to the main message Jesus taught, because this is the main message that Jesus taught, our biggest adversary, our greatest challenge, it's not the enemy. Sometimes we like to blame a lot of stuff on the enemy. Oh, I couldn't find my cow keys. Not today, Satan. Like, the Satan's trying to get me down. Like, like, I think it's ignorance. I don't think it's the enemy. I think it is ignorance. What I was saying earlier in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, he says that my people will be destroyed. Why? Because they have a lack of knowledge. They will be completely destroyed. I looked at this word knowledge and actually find out that knowledge is the same word in Hebrew as the word for light. It's kind of the same thing. In its context, we translate it one to be knowledge or wisdom, another one to be light. So it kind of makes a lot more sense then that where it says in Genesis 1 that in the beginning there was God and God said, let there be what? Light, same exact words that's used in Hosea chapter 4. I love that's why the psalmist said, I will make your word a lamp, same exact Hebrew word, into my, and a light unto my path. So for why? So that I may not sin against God. The reason that I believe our biggest challenge is ignorance and not the enemy, I think the enemy uses ignorance, and we'll get to the Matthew 13 in one moment, but the reason I think that is because one day it could be we stand before God and we say, I would have done better had I known. I wouldn't have walked down that path had I known where it would have led? I didn't know it was wrong. I didn't know I should be doing. God, I'm sorry. I, 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 just, I, I just didn't know. I think he will lovingly look back if we are his sons and daughters and say, yeah, I left you a book telling you everything so you have no excuse to be willingful uh, with lacking knowledge when it comes to my book. 
the greatest enemy. That's why we did the 66-day challenge, so that we would start to make a habit of reading his word every single day and learning his precepts and learning what he says about us. We continue kind of to see this idea of the, the Hosea being lacking of knowledge and the word being a lamp into my feet and a light being into my path. But knowledge must be pursued. You must pursue knowledge. And if you don't, and if you remain in a state of ignorance, you will either be transformed or the ignorance will be transferred. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says you should be transformed by the renewing. Do you remember this? And once again, this is all just kind of like a little intro into what we're talking about today. But he says what? You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will either let God speak into your life wisdom and knowledge, or you will transfer your ignorance down to your friends, your sons, your daughters, your grandsons, your granddaughters, your parents your grandparents those who are around you your church you will transfer it to them i'll give you an example of this we live in a culture today where many things we see on our television they would not have been accepted five years ago right if you would see some stuff that we see on our tv that doesn't even prick our own consciences we would turn the channel five years ago say i'm never watching tv again i'm gonna go bleach my eyes like that's what we would say right but but why ignorance repeated gives us an idea and so we watch it over and over and over again. We become numb to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And now we have an idea that, hey, maybe this is how we're supposed to live our lives. Y'all are so silent this morning. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know who's like, man, like I heard somebody say the other day. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the exact quote, but it's like giving a preacher an amen. It's like giving somebody from the Super Bowl a, uh, like a flagrant pen- penalty or something. He'll just keep on going. I don't know. Anyways, I was like, yeah. the idea of, of repeating itself, like I'll give you another example. What we watch on our TV, we talked about five years ago, we would have turned it off, but now we see it many times on our Netflix shows that we watch. We see it in our series that we turn into. We see it on our movies, even our PG-13 movies. They become to lessen our consciences, but we also see it in the songs that we are listening to, especially R&B, hip-hop. I love um, rap, I always have, but that's been something I've had to really work hard at, kind of overcoming. Why? Because it's just saying, this is how you should treat women, this is what you should do, you get yours, you're going to get your money, you're going to do this, and you start listening to that all the time, it begins to reshape or change the way you think. And it's still ignorance in 2023, but our whole world is coming around the idea that, hey, if it's repeated, it becomes a what? An idea, an idea that this is how culture should look and this is how life should go on. So we continue to live out those precepts that we have right in front of us. I say all this to say our biggest, our biggest challenge is not the enemy, it is ignorance. In Matthew chapter 13, though, here's what it says that the enemy will use our ignorance in. Matthew 13, I believe it's verses um, 19, so 13 verse 19, it says this, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the what? About the kingdom of God. And in understanding their, or in hearing the message on the kingdom of God, they don't understand it they have no knowledge of it 
And so, the evil one, or the enemy, he comes and he snatches the seed away that was planted in their hearts. Once again, it's the idea that, hey, the ignorance, the not understanding, the you don't, you don't know this, the enemy is going to use that and he's going to snatch away the seed. Now, the seed may be the seed of salvation. The seed may be the seed of promises that God wants to use your life. It may be the seed of growth that he has planned for your life. But nevertheless, we have have our work cut out for us in understanding the biggest thing that Jesus talked about, which was the kingdom of God. I brought with me some barbecue sauce, and um, I love barbecue sauce. Does anybody like barbecue? I love a good barbecue. Uh, Mr. J, where's my favorite place in the world to eat? Do you know? I feel like you're going to know this, but I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I'll ask your son, where is it? Dickie's Barbecue, that's right. Madison, Mississippi. I love going in there. Here's why I love Dickie's Barbecue. Number one, it's cheap. All right, number two, you get free ice cream. You can't beat free ice cream, right? And then they have some of the best barbecue sauce and barbecue that you can go. I mean, I could sit there and I could, like, eat. Ah, that's so good. Like, oh, my goodness. We could sit there and eat all day. So sweet. Woo! I'm probably going to go right after the service, honestly. I've been going back down there just from eating some of their barbecue sauce. But when I go to Dickie's Barbecue, I mean, I go there so much they should just change the name to Drake's Barbecue. But anyways, when I go over there, I don't go, as good as the barbecue is, I don't go for the barbecue, do I? Or the barbecue sauce. I actually go and I get the meal. And maybe I get a barbecue sandwich, and I get some fries, and I get a drink, then what comes with it? The barbecue sauce comes on the side, comes with it. I, you get as much as you want. I just keep putting it on. You can get the ice cream that comes with it. And that's what Jesus is going to talk about. He's going to say, you don't have to walk around with just the sauce, the sauce packets all the time. There's actually something in your life that if you seek this in your life, everything else, it comes with it. It comes on the side. There's one thing you can seek above all other things and everything else. It will come with it. So that's what I want to talk about today. I'm going to say a prayer, and then we'll dive in. I know we only have a couple of minutes left, but it's all the time that we're going to need to get what Jesus taught. So if y'all would, bow y'all's heads, and let's pray. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. God, thank you for letting us be here today. I pray that we would begin to seek what you have given us to seek. God, we love you, and we thank you for all the many blessings that you've given us. In your name I pray, amen and amen. In 1894, 1894, Mississippi decided that it wanted to have its own mantra, a statewide mantra. And in having its statewide mantra, it didn't only want to be to this county and to this section and to these people, but all across the state. What is a mantra that would lift us and bring us all together? At the same time in 1894, there was a Latin mantra going around the world, and it was the mantra by the name of Valor de Armis Fido. I don't know if you've ever heard that word before, and I probably just butchered it in Latin, but what it means is virtue, trust in virtue, not in arms. Thus, it's basically saying, if your character is good enough that we can trust, we can trust you to give you power. But if you don't have a character we can trust, we don't have 
uh, you, we don't trust you enough to give you arms or to give you power. Now, Mississippi kind of took over this phrase, and they wanted to kind of come alongside that, but like Mississippi usually does, we wanted to switch our, our little motto up, our mantra up. So what we said is a little bit something different in the Latin. We said, by virtue, non-armis veto was, was what was kind of circulating. We would actually go on to say, virtue Day armis, which means by valor and by arms. And in 1894, we made that our state mantra, and it is still that today, that we will have, yes, valor, we will have virtue, but we will also have arms, we will also have power. That was a kind of a way to fight for, fight for the Second Amendment right. And a couple of years later, we kind of started to see the rise of something else. It was the rise of another popular Latin saying. It was the popular saying that was seize the day. What's it in Latin? Does anybody know? Carpe diem, right? And in the 1900s, give or take, that was kind of the, the lingua franca, the language of the day. Carpe diem, seize the day. And then in the 1920s, something started booming, and everybody like did seize the day. But following that, we had World War I and World War II. And in the 1940s, our uh, mantra kind of changed as a nation, and it became this, that anything that can go wrong will go wrong that was from the 1940s 1950s and all the way going kind of now into the 1960s we began to have a boom in sports people like nike came on the scene people like bill russell became legends in the sports hall of fame and what would nike's motto be it would be this just do it bill russell would say no pain no gain and as the sports industry boomed a couple of years later, following many sports, big personalities who gave their life to Christ, Christianity began to boom, not only here in the West and in America, but all across the nation, to which Christian mottos that were in the church began to spread. These mottos being what? Let go and let God, we would start to wear things on our bracelets and things on our shirts and even in our mind it would be WWJD. What would Jesus do? But soon the Christian culture would change. Ohio, by the way, would have their own state mantra and their state mantra was put God, put God first. And when their state mantra would go on and they would change from the 1960s moving into the 1970s up into the 1990s into the early 2000s, get this, our state mantra would not our state mantra, but our world mantra would change slightly into an idea of cynicism to which our mantra would be this. If it's not one thing, it is Maybe you've heard it like this before. Keep calm and carry on. All the way up until our today, our mantra would be YOLO, which is you only live once. It kind of became uh, uh, what people would say, especially the younger ones among us. Did I really just do that? Did I really? Yellow man, you only live once. And maybe something that's kind of characterizing from the cynicism that we had in the 2000s to the narcissism that we have today would be ignorance is bliss. 
But there's one mantra that Jesus talked about all the way back in Matthew Chapter 13, he would say, hey, look, this is the mantra. He would come on the scene and say, don't leave all the others. Go for this. Seek first, was what he would say. Seek first the kingdom of God. Up here, I kind of have a room kind of set up a little bit. And in the room, by the way, I have um, a yellow envelope, and I'm going to say the yellow envelope has a little bit of money in it, not much money, but I'd say enough money to buy you some Dickie's barbecue if you're hungry at the church. But does anybody want to come and see if they can come and, like, find? I saw your hand first, Braylon, if you want to kind of come on up. Come on up. How, how many uh, seconds should I give you? you? You got, what, 15, 20, or 30? How many, how many seconds should I give her? 15 seconds? Give me a number, Lee. 15, 20, or 30? 20 seconds. You got 20 seconds to find the envelope. All right, are you ready? I kind of need my phone, but it's okay. Um, All right, uh, thank you, Siri. All right, on your mark, get set, go. 20 seconds to find your envelope. Ten seconds to find the envelope. Uh, 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 You found it. All right, everybody, give it up. Give it up for Bray. Good job, Bray. Good job, Bray. Hey, hey, what's in that envelope? Uh, go ahead and open it up. I'm kind of interested to see, too. Okay, $20, $20. You got $20. And hey, stay up here, by the way. You can just hang out here. Now, notice, notice that, that I never told her to stop looking, did I? I said, you got 20 seconds, find the envelope. But when she found an envelope, she assumed that that was all there was to find. So she said, here you go, Drake. In our lives, when we seek the kingdom of God, if we're not careful, we'll find something and say, I'm so proud I found this, Brother Drake. I mean, I've been reading my Bible and God's been blessing me. And then what do we do? We leave instead of knowing that there is so much more. If I could tell y'all how much money I have scattered out in this. Y'all would like be running up here. I have over $100 still left in here now. So do I have anybody who wants to who wants some money? Yeah, I, I saw Asher, and I saw Maddie, and I saw you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with Maddie, then I'm going to go with Asher, and then you're going to finish. Okay, come on up here, Maddie. And you can stay just right there if you want to, Braylon. All right, Braylon, we got 20 seconds out of the way, so you're either going to get 15 or 30 seconds to find um, as many as many envelopes as you think that there are. Um, Lee, 15 or 30, what do you think? 30 seconds. All right, you got 30 seconds to find as many envelopes as you can. Go! Oh, wow, that was fast. Took you two. Fifteen seconds left. It's pretty impressive. All right, five, four, three, two. All right, you found, you found two. Get, get it up, give it up, give it up. All right, awesome job. 
right, it's, I think $20 is in there. You can open them and then you can tell Braylon um, how much is in there. I think, Asher, you are next. Come on up here if you want to come. Asher, I do believe that there's still some envelopes left in this place. Do you think you can find them? Are you excited? All right, let's go. You got 15 seconds left, so you go right now. 15 seconds. All right, hey, look. <laughs> 10, 9, 8. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Asher did good. You didn't find anything, but you did good. But he didn't like really mess anything up. I don't think he was really uh, committed to the wanting to find something. You you got, you got, you got to like. There's some money in here. Does anybody want to like tear some stuff up? All right, come on. I was like, no, sit back down, sit back down. All right, come on, come on, come on. Eli, right? Eli, Alex. All right, come on, come on, come on. Come on, Mr. Allen. All right, Allen, I'm going to give you 20 seconds. you got 20 seconds to find as much stuff as you can. I need you to go crazy. There's a lot of money left in here. Are you ready? you got 20 seconds on your mark. Give me five. Get set. All right, go, Allen. Go, Allen. There we go. There we go. I'm sure. Yep, there is some money. I, 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 got, I got you something. I got you something. Now, does, you want to call up, call up one of your family members. They, I think they may need you some help. Mary, you want to come? God, come on, Mary. Come on, Mary. Mary's going to come help you. I'm going to give y'all 30 more seconds. And I need y'all to actually look and try to find some stuff that's in there. Lots of money left. All right. On your mark, you set, go. You got 30 seconds. Better look quick. Look quick. Oh, wow. All right. You're stronger than you look, Mary. Good try, good try. All right, 10 more seconds left. All right, five, four, three, two. I think we're about out of time, but good try, good try, good try. All right, good try, good try. See, here's the thing, here's the point is that what we read in Luke chapter 13 says, a man found a field. Y'all can all go sit back down. We'll call you back up here in a little bit. There is a man who found a field, and as he went out to find this field, he sold everything that they had. So it's going to take some time, like maybe knocking some stuff over in our lives to sell everything that we have. Maybe it's going to take some time where we flip some things. Oh, so many people are like so nervous right now. Okay, it's going to to uh uh-oh, 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 maybe pulling some things up in our lives to find, oh no, oh wait. It's going to take maybe, I don't know, tearing down some walls in your life and in my life and breaking some doors to find, oh my goodness, here's another. And like, it will look silly sometimes, let's just be honest. It will, it, will, it will look really silly, and people may laugh like you're making a mess. And I heard Jeremy say, don't break nothing. Who'd you say don't break nothing to, Jeremy? I can't remember. But in our lives, people will say, hey, don't break nothing. Stop, stop. Don't, 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 don't go different. But God is calling us to be radical, to change and sell everything in our life. Sometimes it's going to take us like, like breaking things apart in your and my life and finding what God has wanting us to find ever since the beginning. 
What I'm trying to tell y'all is that we're going to have to seek the kingdom. We're going to have to be different. We're going to have to break some stuff. We're going to have to change some stuff in our lives. Like 2023 is going to be the year that we're going to actually look for God. We're going to seek God. We're going to pursue God. We're going to leave some things behind. We're going to leave some relationships behind that we don't need to be in. We're going to create some habits that we need to create. We're going to put some things down and some, some habits down that, that have been following us all the days of our life. Why? Because the kingdom of God is worth it. I'll end with this story. I thought long and hard today, really long and really hard, about sharing this message. I said, nobody wants to hear about this message. It's the most important message that Jesus taught, and nobody wants to hear it, and I understand it. Why? Because we don't want to make a mess of our lives. We want to be comfortable, and we want to just stay right there in our road. But Jesus is saying, no, you've got to make a mess. You've got to sell everything. And nobody wants to hear that, so I struggled. I said, I didn't talk about something else, something easy. And even in the beginning of the sermon, I said, I'm just going to be easy with them today. And I struggled so much knowing and hearing from the voice of God. And I know that there are a lot of people in here right now who are struggling with the exact same thing. You're struggling hearing the voice of God. You... <laughs> If you were honest with yourself, you would say, Jesus, if I knew where you wanted me to go, I would go. I, I am seeking you with all my heart. I just don't know where, you, where you're pointing at. I'm trying. I, I just don't know. And to that point, I love the story of Jehoshaphat. When Jehoshaphat, he's the king in Israel, as he's being king, he is surrounded by not one, not two, but three armies. And as the armies kind of surround him like normally happens in our life, somebody finally comes and says, King Jehoshaphat, you're surrounded by armies and they are everywhere. And I love Jehoshaphat's response. He says, oh Lord, let's seek God. And he calls all Israel to a fast and to pray. And it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, that they begin to seek God. And in the conclusion, Jehoshaphat says, Lord, I don't know what to do. I wonder if some of us in the room could be honest enough to, and humble enough this morning to say, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to quit. I don't know how to seek your kingdom. I don't know how to grow in my faith. I, I just want to hear your voice. But Jehoshaphat says, although we don't know what to do, our eyes are on you. And that is a word for Blackjack Baptist Church that we don't know what to do. That is a word for your life. I don't know where to go. But my eyes, they will stay locked on you. I will stay focused on you. I love you. And it says in 2 Chronicles, it ends the chapter and it says, hey, I just want you to know some guy named Jehaziel comes and he's a prophet. He says, Jehoshaphat, I know these are some hard names. You don't have to fight this battle. Why? Because this battle belongs to the Lord. I was reading here in my Bible recently, and I came across the verse, As the deer longs for the water, how much do I long for you, O Lord? And I looked at that word long, and it actually meant to cry out. It's like a deer in distress, and he's crying out about to die. And I thought to our lives, how terrible would it be 
if we spent our whole lives climbing a ladder. Spent our whole lives crying out to realize that the ladder was against the wrong building or that we've been crying out for the wrong things. What Jesus says is He says this, get it? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all else will be added. You seek my kingdom, I'll feed you, son. You seek my my kingdom, I'll make your plans work out. You seek my kingdom, everything you need, you will have. Doesn't mean there's not going to be persecution. Doesn't mean there's not going to be hard days but you'll have what you need because I am what you'll need and you'll be seeking me and those who seek me you will find me when they search for me with all of their hearts. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Is anybody willing to seek God this year? Is anybody willing to put Him first to change things, to revolutionize their life? I really hope so. I know it's a hard message, but it's the only message that matters. I love when I was speaking at the school, I was giving the same message, and the whole entire thing just fell. Boom! And every, all the students went, ah! I said, that's okay. That's okay. Things will fall sometimes. And when they do, we'll be fearful. But it's about putting our faith over our fear. And that's how you and I seek the kingdom of God. Seek first. Put first. A new motto for the year. God, thank you for everything that you've given us, God. We love you, and we are so grateful to be in your house. God, I know that we're going to end in worshiping you, but God, I pray that if there's somebody in here right now who says, you know what, I've been not seeking the kingdom the way that I should. If you're speaking to anybody right now about whatever it is, God, I pray that they would come down, God, that you would move in their lives, God, that you would revolutionize the way that they are thinking, living, and relating to you. God, we love you so much. In your name I pray, amen and amen. If y'all would stand as Mary leads us out.